Welcome to Hope for the Heart. This is William Rogers bringing the message out of the book of Revelation. Uh, we're continuing our verse-by-verse study out of this wonderful book, and uh, we are this week finding ourselves in chapter 11, verses uh, 14 through 19, the last section of this chapter. And then we're going to jump right into uh, chapters 12 through 14, uh, which is a very interesting section in itself. But I want to give you the context for today. It's found in, a cha- again, a chapter 11, verses 15. Uh, I'm going to only read to you uh, verses 15 through 17. And we'll see how far we can get today. The Word of God reads, beginning in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there arose loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who art and who wast, because thou hast taken thy great power and hast begun to reign. I want to re- stop right there, even though I know I could go further, and we probably should, uh, we probably will get into verse 18, at least parts of it, uh, for this time, but... Again, this section is a very powerful section, and you'll notice as it begins here in verse uh, 15 that the seventh angel uh, has sounded. In other words, he's actually sounded his trumpet. Now, we're going to see from this, we're going to see a reaction in heaven. But as I've pointed out last time, that uh, this reaction is uh, in heaven, and it's not, we're not seeing the effects on earth. And that's very important to note because we know it's coming. It's just not in this particular section. And the reason I say that is found in chapter 8 when you read the seven trumpets are preparing to sound and then the first trumpet sounds in verse 7 and you see immediately uh, the reaction of what is taking place of of the actual judgment hitting the earth. It says fire and hail mixed with blood and they were thrown to the earth and a third of the trees... A, th- a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So we know that you have a, a cause and effect situation from heaven to earth in each of these trumpet blasts. And so we've been anticipating this seventh trumpet. And so here we are in chapter 11th, and the seventh trumpet is sounding, and there arose loud voices in heaven. So we are seeing immediately a reaction in heaven, and the reaction in heaven has to do with what is uh, is the what is actually happening there as far as uh, the very next phrase, which says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And this section is interesting because it doesn't follow the normal chronological order that we've been kind of halfway following as since we got into Revelation chapter uh, 5 and 6. And so we, we've hit a, a certain point here to where we're, we're going to stop moving forward and when we finish chapter 11, and we're going to go into chapter 12, 13, and 14, which will be a bit of a digression as we go back and look at uh, some, of, some of the time frame will be around the first of the tribulation period, and then we're going to take a look at the, uh, the, the track of the Antichrist and Satan as he is moving through that time. And so it becomes very important to understand that because of the 
the chronology anticipated when you're reading a book is not here when you get to this point. For example, let me let me just give you this again. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, the seventh angel sounded, and there arose loud voices in heaven. So we have the response in, 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 in heaven, and then to get the response on earth uh, as to what happens here with this seventh trumpet, you read chapter 15, verse 1, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had the seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. This is going to complete the wrath of God, as it says here, in which it projected also in chapter 10 that we saw. And so it becomes very, very uh, hard for some people to follow this along, follow this uh, line of reasoning through here, uh, especially when you get into chapter 12 and you find yourself back at the first part of the tribulation period, or in chapter 13 and you find yourself back uh, as the tribulation period is beginning and it covers even into the midway and then all the way to almost the end. So it, it becomes hard to follow, but I want you to kind of hang with me here because this is an important section. And like I said last time, this is the announcement of the kingdom. Uh, this is the projected uh, or anticipated and prophesied kingdom that has been since the day one on earth. We've known the kingdom is coming, and so this has been... Uh, the kingdom is coming, and notice that we, we said last time this is the the language here is speaking as though it is already happening. It, this is it. It's it's here. It's uh, the rest is over, and yet we know we have several chapters left, and so we we know that the seventh trumpet is going to continue. It has a longevity here all the way through the book of Revelation. It's going to contain all of that which makes it uh, even uh, more interesting to try to follow this. But this is the announcement of the kingdom. It says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Now, we have said that it is a projected kingdom and that it is uh, uh, projected from day one on earth. We've seen the centrality of thought concerning the kingdom in so many times we have mentioned this, and so... Uh, we're going to cover only bits and pieces of it now, and then we'll, and then also we'll cover it uh, in detail when we get to Revelation chapter 20. But this kingdom, uh, we have always prayed, thy kingdom come, is now the reality. In Luke chapter 4, uh, you remember uh, Jesus uh, was taken up into the high mountain by Satan and showed the kingdoms of the world, said he'd give them to him. Well, he didn't want the kingdoms of the world given to him by Satan. Uh, he has a right to them. And they will come to him in due time. And this is the due time in Revelation chapter 11. So we notice that it is going to be his and he will reign forever and ever. Now, also notice that the, the first word here is the kingdom of the world. And this is a, a, an interesting word here. It doesn't literally mean a kingdom like the kingdom of Rome or the kingdom of uh, the Babylonian kingdom or uh, something like that. It really means, it's a word that really means to rule or to reign or to govern. And so this is talking about here the kingdom or the rule or the governing of the world has become the governing or the ruling of our Lord and his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. That would be almost a literal translation of what this phrase is speaking about the kingdom that is still coming in which Christ will reign on the earth for 1,000 years. And we've talked about that. 
And it is very anticipated and very much prophesied in the Old Testament. Remember now, God hacked up this kingdom of the world at the Tower of Babel to make it more difficult for Satan to accomplish his purposes. Uh, If you wonder what the Tower of Babel was about, there's a lot of things we could talk about as far as the Tower of Babel. But this is one of the things that is kind of like behind the scenes. But Satan is still king over all the pieces of the once united kingdom of the earth. And in the end, he's going to be united uh, united again, as we're going to see in Revelation chapter 13, under the power of the Antichrist. The world is really one kingdom with one monarch, monarch, namely Satan himself ruling. In fact, Ephesians says the prince of the power of the air, uh, which is right now Satan rules the universe. Jesus said, for example, in Matthew chapter 12, 26, they accused him of casting out demons by Satan. And he said, if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? The point is, his kingdom stands because it is a, an undivided kingdom. We look at the world and we see it divided into all kinds of nations, politically, socially, linguistically. And we mentioned all this last time. But the one kingdom under one king being ruled by Satan and his demonic host is the way we see the world now. That's going to change. In fact, it's going to change in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, when he declares there that the kingdom of the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and will reign forever and ever. So we're talking about the same kingdom. Uh, In John uh, John chapter 12, uh, just to remind you again of a scripture we gave last time, John 12, 31, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world has been cast out. He's talking about Satan, and he recognizes the world has one ruler. It's one kingdom with one ruler, and that ruler would be Satan. John 14, 30, he's called the ruler of the world. John 16, 11, he's called the ruler of the world again. And so we know there's not really a, a point of discussion on that. And so we see that he is the ruler of the world, and that is going to change the dominion of the, over the world does not become Christ until God has finished his judgments and the blowing of the trumpet and the pouring out of the bowl judgments. The great uh, triumph, victory at Armageddon, and then Christ takes over and becomes king of the world. But this verse in chapter 11 says it's here now. And so we have said that there's a, a way in the, the Greek language to present something as, even though it's future, presents it as such a certainty as to state that it is in the present tense. And so that is what is happening here. So we see that this is a very important section. It's laying the, the groundwork for the great day of the, the beginning of the, the kingdom. And as we said last time again, this kingdom is not going to just happened because Satan gets tired and just turns over the earth and says, look, I'm done with it. Here, these are, these are your people, or this is your land. You take it. That doesn't happen. Uh, he takes it because of, of force. Uh, he takes it, and, and he right, has the right and reign to reign over it. In fact, that's what the book of Revelation uh, deals with. Sure, it deals with the salvation of Israel. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. It's, uh, it, it is a, it's a, it's several different things that is going on. But one thing is for sure is that it is presenting the kingdom as being uh, ready to take, to go back to its rightful owner. And that we saw that happening in Revelation chapter 5. So, 
The Greek tense presents it as though it is complete. It has been anticipated moments since the very birth of Christ, and even all through the Old Testament. You can take Psalm chapter 2, or Psalm 2, and look at that, and which, which we did look at that. And so the end of Satan's power has come, the establishment of the sovereign kingdom of the Lord Jesus in all the universe. In fact, when you think about this, Christ is going to set up his kingdom to rule on this earth. Now, we won't be alive at that time if we are listening to the sound of my voice now. You will, if you are a believer or become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be there reigning with Christ during that time. And of course, I don't want to get into that. I could end up chasing a rabbit that would take me two weeks to get back to this part. But so, it is a great time. It's very much anticipated. Uh, the disciples anticipated it. Even the Roman government, I mean, the, the Roman uh, citizens, uh, the citizens of, of Israel, during in the Roman. Uh, uh, occupation there uh, look for they they all anticipated a kingdom they just didn't know how to interpret the scriptures they were looking at uh, uh, a, a physical kingdom when Christ came to present a spiritual kingdom so we have seen this anticipated movement even going back to uh, the very song of Moses in Exodus 15 the anticipated moment when the Lord Jesus Christ becomes king of the world Isaiah chapter 2 looks at that very very clearly Daniel chapter 2 looks at this, verse 34, this great image showing the kingdoms of the world. And it says, you, counted, you continued looking until the stone was cut out uh, without hands, and that is reference to the Messiah, the Lord, and struck, it, uh, struck the statue on his feet of iron and clay and crushed them. This is the final form of human world power represented by the image, its legs and its feet, being demolished by the Messiah and his kingdom being set up. And so you you read these verses and you see it is very much anticipated uh, teaching on the kingdom in which we cannot neglect this. This is the message, by the way, that King Nebuchadnezzar uh, gave to all of us about the fact that at, at the end Jesus Christ is going to smash all human power and establish his own kingdom. And that was the hope of Isaiah. It was the hope of Daniel. It was even the hope of Moses. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, uh, verse 13. Daniel, again, seeing prophecies of the future. In fact, we, we go to the future several times to look at Daniel. And Daniel says this in Daniel seven thirteen. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man, was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. What kind of kingdom? that all the peoples and nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And so Daniel sees the image of this great, glorious, final kingdom of Christ in which we're going to be there. Ah, it's going to be an exciting time. I can't, I, I just, I love to read this and to study this. Daniel seven eighteen goes on to say, uh, uh, the saints who are associated with the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. That's all of us. Uh, down in verse 22 of Daniel chapter 7, the ancient of days came, judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one, and the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Daniel is given a vision far into the future to see the glorious events described under this seventh trumpet in Revelation chapter 11. 
when the kingdom of the world becomes the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. That's what Daniel's talking about, that we're reading about here in Revelation chapter 11. Now, for us, it still hasn't happened yet. But in Daniel seven twenty seven, it says, The sovereignty, dominion, the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole earth will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and the dominions uh, will serve and obey him. What an incredible promise, yet that is repeated promise that the Messiah will rule the whole earth. The whole world he will rule. Malachi 4 talks about it. Zechariah talks about it. The kingdoms of the world, Zechariah talks about it in verse 15, has become, and it can be clearly seen what's happening. And so we read about this. And it's, it's just uh, such an amazing thing to see. Man, our world is headed that way. As close as we are, and I know as as close as it is, uh, even closer to the rapture of the church to take place, which could happen at any moment, and then the beginning of the tribulation period, that time is going to fly by. And then at the end of the tribulation period, Christ will come and set up his rule and authority on this earth. That will be the beginning of the kingdom. So when you pull all this together... And, and, and look at this. I also want you to see how this happens here. The kingdom of the world, in verse 15 of chapter 11 of Revelation, uh, of our Lord has become, uh, and of his Christ, he will reign forever and ever. That's the, the coming of the kingdom. is established now, according to Revelation chapter 11. And then it says, And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God. Now, we don't have to go very far into this to realize that this is a representative of the church. And so, in fact, look at verse 17. We give thanks, O Lord God Almighty, who art, who was, because thou hast given great pleasure, uh, thou hast taken thy great power, and hast begun to reign. And so, this is a, a representative of the church, which I, we don't have to go into that, because we've already done this two times, uh, maybe even three times in the book of Revelation already. But they fall on their faces and they worship God. That is the moment that they've all awaited for. But I want you to see something here in what they say, beginning in verse 17. Because I don't want to miss this. In verse 17, it says, We give thee thanks, O Lord God. Now, I'll stop right there. We give thee thanks. The the words there uh, cannot express the, the humility and the openness and the glorious nature of that statement coming from the church in heaven to God. We give thee thanks, O Lord God. My words could never even express what those words are and how how true they're going to be as we are are able to say those words uh, in heaven. But I want you to notice the next word. It says, We give thee thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, the Almighty is a very important word. You can underline that and, 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 and notice that it is a word that ultimately uh, means the powerful one. It is the absolute sovereign one. And that is what they say because that is why he can take over. The very fact that the kingdom is beginning doesn't mean that it was relinquished and just turned over by Satan. It means the power of the Lord takes the kingdom. And that is what they say because it, 
that is why he can take it over. We thank thee, O Lord God, because you're able to do this. You are the all-powerful one. You are the one who is able to fulfill the promises of all the prophets, of every single verse that talks about the coming of the kingdom, every single verse that talks about the rule and the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ upon this whole earth. You have the power that surpasses the power of Satan. You have the power like no one else. You are God over everything. It has the sense of God exercising his all-encompassing, all-embracing will by his unbelievable mighty power against which no one can stand. That's all wrapped up in that word, the sovereign one, or the almighty, the powerful one, the ultimately all-powerful one, the almighty. In fact, that's why I entitled the message today, because this is the saints, or the church, representative thought on their faces before God, and acknowledge the fact that he is the all-powerful one. That word is not used uh, lightly here, but it's used in relation to taking the kingdom. They also identify God not only as the uh, as the almighty one, but the all-powerful one. But notice very carefully, they identify him who is... In fact, look at what it says. Who, who, who is, or uh, I have a... Uh, uh, New American Standard, uh, this really a little bit of the old English in there. It says, who art and who was, or really it is, who is and who was, because thou hast taken thy great power and begun to reign. Wow, that is an amazing thing. So, I want you to notice who is and who was. Very important. Go back to chapter 1, verse 8 for a moment, and I'll tell you why. In chapter 1, verse 8, uh, you read something that is a little different phrase here. It says, I am Alpha, the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. And the reason it's the last phrase is left off here is because he's not coming anymore. He's already here. And so this is a wonderful thing. It's a tremendous truth. The Holy Spirit, again, speaking precisely of what it needs to say to accomplish the real truth of what's happening. The Lord God is the Alpha, the Omega, who is, who was, and who is to come at the point of Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, which means he is the one, it is a past, uh, present, and future tense there given in chapter 4. Uh, of Revelation chapter in chapter 4 verse 8 holy 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 is the Lord God the Almighty again the all sovereign one the all almighty who was who is and who is to come present past and future but when you get to chapter 11 who is to come is dropped because it is the time for his arrival and what a time this will be you think is the world going to rejoice well we'll see uh, it, but it's dropped off, verse seven, and, and you go to chapter 16, verse 7, and I'll turn over there just for a minute. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 7, it says this, And I heard from the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, the true and righteous are your judgments. And again, using that very word, the Almighty there again, 
Almighty referred to there. But also note back in verse 5 of that same verse. And I heard the angel of the water saying, Righteous are you who art or who is and who was, O Holy One, because you did judge these things. Again, it drops. Who is to come? Why? Because it's no longer in the future. He's here. He's arrived, by the way. So you see it in this, and it is a wonderful, powerful thing to realize the preciseness and exactness of it. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 8, uh, again, and there we see the Antichrist is trying to imitate. We will see that when we get there. Uh, but he's trying to imitate the Lord, and he falls very short because he can't say who is and was and who is about to come. And so he makes a, a mess of that. So the, the Antichrist or the beast is a fake. And so he's trying to uh, show that there. So we get to verse 17 of Revelation chapter 11. And I'll go back to that point. I keep turning my pages. We, we give thee thanks, O Lord God the Almighty, who is and who was, because thou hast begun, uh, thou hast taken thy great power and hast begun to reign. Uh, again, this is a, a, a look at, at the beginning of the actual kingdom, and he is beginning to reign. Now, it is interesting to note that in 15, the loud voices in heaven are saying this. They're, they're, they're saying this back to God, and we know that it is about to, to happen as far as the chronology of the book, but in Revelation, it's, it's speaking as though it has already happened. And so we see in, verse, in, in verses 15 through 17, this is what is being proclaimed in the heavens, from the heaven perspective as these voices, in fact it even says loud voices in heaven, saying these things. And notice that when it says in verse, in, chapter, in verse 17, because thou hast taken thy great power and hast begun to reign. He is reigning because of his power. He is reigning with his power. And he will reign forever and ever. That sweeps through the thousand years then on into the new heaven, into new earth, the eternal state in which the Lord Jesus Christ will rule. That is described in the last two chapters of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22. So now you know the flow of the book. 12 through 14 takes us back through the tribulation and the career of the Antichrist. Chapter 15 to 18 describe the events surrounding the trumpet blast of the final judgment. Chapter 19 is the coming of the, and the destruction of the ungodly and the casting of Satan and the beast and the false prophet into the pit, the lake of fire. Chapter 20 is the establishing of the millennial kingdom. Chapter 21 and 22, the eternal state. And all that flows out of that great moment of the blowing of the seventh trumpet. Now, that's not all the praise there is. The 24 elders who sit on their faces, or who fall through their faces on their knees and on their faces worship God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God the Almighty, who was, who is, because thou hast... Uh, taking that great power and begun to reign. Here we we are adding the uh, angelic host to this heavenly voice This that is all saying, so it's all the angels here are speaking, which tells us once again uh, that it is a time of, of thanks, but yet it also tells us that these elders are not angels. They are representative, again, of the church. But I want you to, to notice something in the last section. I'm just going to touch this, and that is verse 18. Verse 18 can stump you real bad. 
And look at what it says. It says, And the nations were enraged, and thy wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to, uh, to give their reward to thy bondservants, the prophets, and to the saints, and those who fear thy name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. That sounds like something that is a, a summary statement of something. And so you, you read this, and you think, well, what, what is actually going on here? Uh, this is a worldwide operation of Satan, now totally in the hands of the Antichrist when you get to this point. It is on, that is, on earth, you, you, you have this, because it's at the very end of the tribulation period, and so you have the, the, uh, the Antichrist that has uh, been fully in reign, he's being shattered, uh, the, the trumpet blast, and, and it's just like all chaos is breaking out upon the earth. Uh, in verse 17, it's a very important statement at the end of the verse, has begun to reign, meaning, uh, and again, it's speaking as though it's already happened, but in reality on the earth, you would think he's, he's far from reigning. And so at the same time, there is a praise and sovereignty in heaven. There is something on the other side. Verse 18, the nations were enraged. I want, I want you to just talk about that just for a second. So we move from heaven to earth, and what do we see? We see resentment. We see anger. We see bitterness. We see hostility against God. We see nations are enraged, and this is the timing is exact here. The seventh trumpet blows, and all these voices in heaven are proclaiming and talking about the sovereignty and the Almighty, and you've begun to reign with your great power. And yet on earth, man, it's like a, a, a mad world. The world gone absolutely mad. In fact, I'll probably name it that week, that uh, next week. A world gone mad. The nations were enraged. The nations are enraged. I can't even say it enough. The particular term that is chosen from the Greek language to express is a defiant rage, not the terror of chapter 16, verse 17, uh, not the terror of absolute rage. They are angry. They are filled with hostility. Uh, and it's obvious because over in 16, you might want to look at it for a moment, verse 14. And in Revelation 16, 14, you see something that is interesting uh, that we, we, we find it coming at the very, very end, at the end of these judgments. And you find that uh, at the end of that seventh bold judgment, the spirit of demons are performing signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole earth, and they gather them together for war against the day of God the Almighty. The whole nation or the whole world gathers to fight against God. So when it says the nations are enraged, what a contrast. What, what polar opposites could there be? You've got sovereignty and praise going on in heaven, calling him the Almighty One, the All-Powerful One. You've begun to reign with your great power. And then on earth, the nations are so enraged, they want to not just defy God, not, not just not repent, not just curse God, which chapter 16 does, but they want to fight God. They want to fight God. It is absolutely incredible. They want to stand against God. So this is actually a picture here in verse 18 of chapter 11 of what's going to be taking place in Revelation chapter 16. Uh, this is, I guess you could say, this is when human history reaches the apex of unbelievable hostility against God. There will be another expression of this at the end of the millennial kingdom, but this is unbelievable. The nations will come together in a massive war against God, 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. You think, wow, man, if judgment could cause people to repent, they'd be repenting. But judgment doesn't lead people to repentance. In fact, Romans even says it's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. So this is just to, to get us going here into this chapter. Uh, next week, uh, we're, we're going to be looking even further at this. So for now, this is William Rogers. And I thank you once again for joining me. I, I hope and pray that I have not lost you in this. Uh, if you'll just stick with me, the, uh, the, the chronology of this and the, the running through this, if we try to stick to a timeline, it confuses us. So don't try to stick to one. Just listen, observe, and see how it goes. So thank you so much for joining us. See you next time.